that one. Right. The fucking wire wasn't in properly, which is why there was buzzing happening. So I need to hold the wire in the fucking thing. Jesus Christ. I mean, it was this wire. See? if I, Unless I hold it in. You pay fucking hundreds of pounds worth for a bit of fucking kit. And then the instruction manual reads, Dear sir or madam, please... Will you push the cable into it hard? Otherwise, it's going to sound buzzy and shit. How is... Is this... I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wire, it's a wire, it's a wire. Oh, this is, maybe I can do a thing where I kind of, in a, quite an, in a stand-up-y way, wrap it round the doobrie. Doobrie's another new good one. Uh, and anyway, dear, 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 dear everyone, I'm here. I hope you've all had fun. I was doing some, this is sedentary comedy. It is released as a podcast. It is Wednesdays, 9pm, live, on Instagram, live. Uh, and the first topic is nominative determinism. And, uh, and here we are. Fuck me in the mouth until everything collapses. Jesus, wow. What a hassle. What an amazing fuck. The pressure of having to, I mean, there's, there's usually some nervous bloke with a, uh, a Mastodon t-shirt on to help you with your sound when you do a, a gig. Woodford tonight. Um, mm, it's good. Woodford is good. Okay. Um, so I was talking about the heat. I don't too much like it. Some people do. Um, and I was uh, trying to, uh, trying to get involved with whatever. Anyway, look, look here we go. We're going to start now. Okay. I ordered new record cards off the World Wide Web. Okay, they came on Amazon. I've been clapping for Amazon every Thursday. If you, I mean, it's just absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. What a brilliant service they provide. I've got this fucking thing. That's a, that's a microphone. That's another thing that goes in a thing. A microphone stand so that I wouldn't have to be holding it in to... I wouldn't have to be holding it so I could have two hands free for my note cards. But sadly, that doesn't work or twist or bend or isn't malleable to my fucking whims so i've got a useless expensive microphone stand i can't get drunk anymore so all my endorphins have to come from purchasing things on amazon.com i've got a weighted blanket an eye mask two fans and a paddling pool coming tomorrow and i don't want to use any of them i'm a big i'm really into fads i've got insoles for flat feet i've got all sorts of absolute shit that i don't need but i do want and i haven't really been drinking apart from for pleasure which is weird for the taste i've been drinking for pleasure like a grown-up i don't i'm not i've not got fucking boozed out i'm not trying to escape my consciousness i'm just drinking like a grown-up feeling the warmth of the woodford reserve um dribble down my gullet Okay. Yes, Bezos sucks ass. Well, thank you for illuminating that fact for us, Jack. Uh, he does suck ass, but um, he's provided an excellent service for which we should all be very grateful. The man who created the NHS was also a uh, exponent. Uh, he propounded the virtues of eugenics, 
See, bad people create good things. Bezos, the bloke who did the NHS, who wrote it in a uh, um, in in the in the policy pack when it, the NHS was first an idea. It's a it's a big it's a triumph of marketing the NHS because everybody loves the NHS. They don't love hospitals or doctors. They love specifically the NHS. And if it's not the NHS, you can fuck yourself. Okay, I broke my leg in Greece, got treated for free. It was all free, and they were very nice. I said, taxi, um, Stefanos, and he went, taxi, Alfie, and it was free at the point of use, and I didn't even uh, have to fill a form in, but it's not the NHS, so F- Stefanos is an unworthy piglet man who I have no time for. Anyway, sedentary comedy, here we are, we'll probably start a little bit and conclude some of that um, high-end Bezos chat uh, that seemingly went uh, so well. Anamora, 89. I'm now drinking like an adult, 89. Yes, if you want to uh, pracy the best bits into the comments for me, uh, then uh, you'll you'll save whoever writes my obituary a great deal of time. Make sure you send them off to whichever uh, journal uh, carries my obituary. Uh, imagine the, the Richmond Guardian they'll have a rather a stirring piece about my uh, untimely demise um there's a great song by smog called uh, dress sexy at my funeral and i thought that's what i want i want everybody to be dressing really sexy at my funeral i want everybody to be looking their best and wanting to because i i think it'd be a great time to meet somebody the first topic this week on uh, uh, on on sedentary comedy, I forgot the name of the thing that I said that I wanted to do, that's what this is, is nominative determinism. Nominative determinism, for those of you that may not know, is uh, when your name uh, is uh, suggested or has perhaps been foreboding of characteristics or occupations or things that you carry through later in life. Nominative determinism. Now, I don't quite know specifically what nominative determinism is. I know that, uh, but is it, yes, okay, so Carl Schultz, strongman, um, has said that Carl means strongman, that could be a joke, and it could be true, but sadly I don't know the origins of these Anglo-Saxon names, uh, perhaps quite as well, I do, I do believe it's probably, uh, uh, but yes, uh, 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 Alfie means king of the elves, I'm led to believe, or king of the gnomes, or something like that, I hope it's king of the elves, and I think it's king of the gnomes, um, and I believe, but I'm not sure if it's that. I think, isn't it like when you're called, like, Billy fucking chess master and you're really good at chess and everybody goes, oh, my God, wow, like, you're really good at chess and you're called Billy fucking chess master. That's like, and then you feel very clever when you go, that's very, that's nominative determinism. Or when it's like your name is Judd and you're a bully and then everybody goes, well, obviously you're a bully because your name is Judd. And Judd is a bully's name. You're Judd. Big, thick, meaty, bully name. Judd. But then maybe you only think that because there was a sort of a dark bully character in Oklahoma called Judd. And actually, if you think about other Judds that you know, like the snooker player Judd Trump, you go, Judd's actually not that bad. I like Judd. Trump as well. 
the, the, the when you think about Donald Trump, you think, oh yeah, he suits the name Trump because he's trumped up. He's uh, like a, a Trump is a fart. He's he's he, he embodies uh, what a fart is in many uh, different ways. Because there's in the same way there's a there's a rank suggestion of some substance, but no def- no no discernible trace of the substance itself. He is just suggesting of the worst thing that you could imagine, but without actually... He doesn't quite have the wherewithal. He lacks the substance to truly be as evil as the the whole shit would be. And sometimes, perhaps, there's a wet element to his behaviour. He follows through. Uh, maybe that's, that's the wall. The wall is a bit of follow-through. But Donald, Donald Trump... Uh, uh, Trump... It seems like that, doesn't it? But then Judd Trump, if that was one of his children, you'd think, of course, Judd Trump's a cunt. But Judd Trump, the pseudocope, is a really nice guy. But you wouldn't think that because his name is Judd Trump. And we have negative associations, those of us who are fans of uh, Oklahoma and American politics. We know that Judd, Judd, bad. And also Trump, boo, boo. Can we think of a Trump that came before Donald that wasn't in the Trump family dynasty? Is there another famous Trump? I don't know. Um, and uh, are there other good examples of nominative determinism? Uh, 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 deep, deep, deep throat from uh, from the from from the from the Nixon administration. Uh, deep throat. Uh, he. It, that was that was that was a, a fine example of nominative determinism, because he would he rang up the people at the Washington Post and went, "I've got information at it, of depth that I wish to impart from my throat." And they went, "Okay, can we take a name? It's throat, Mister Throat, Deep, Deep Throat." And they went, "Sorry, you've got information for us, and your name is Deep." This is amazing. That's like that's nominative determinism. That's mad. And 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 everybody was very shocked. To Mister and Mrs. Throat, a boy, deep. His name was Mark Felt. In real life, well, it was a pseudonym because he couldn't get caught being Deep Throat. Otherwise, he'd been a right lot of trouble. And it only came out later when he. Uh, got dementia, forgot that he didn't give consent for everybody to know who the fuck he was, and then everybody started going, fucking hell, mate. Um, Slim Pickens, perversely a rather large actor, says Big G369. Uh, Hump says, I had a music teacher called Mr. Chant. That's good. That's very good. Um, Yes, and so those are all the examples of uh, Mark Felt. I suppose his boss would have had a lot of fun introducing him at works functions going, I remember when I first met him. Mark Felt. He felt very... And then did loads of jokes about that, but none of them probably very good, are they? Uh, does anybody have any questions at this juncture? Um, I was expecting the uh, the audience to be quite a lot smaller than this, given the uh, lovely weather, but you've all um, made it in your numbers, and thank you very much for turning up. Uh, does anybody else have any... Uh, uh, king Henry VIII became king. That's very, very strong, good, funny stuff, Carl. Um, 
does anybody have any questions at this point that they'd like me to address before I move on to the next uh, instalment? I'm I'm trying to let them take a. I'm trying to get involved in them more this week because a ten is too many. You don't end up getting to do as many as you want to. So this week I want to do less of them but get more engaged. I am so fucking sunburnt, fucking leatherface. I'm gonna end up like Bruce Springsteen and be wandering around all like a like a handbag. Um but I should have uh uh I should have really uh put some sun cream on. But I've been painting my dick. And as I've been painting my dick, I've been uh Alfie Brown tanned in the sun. Alfie Brown, he went brown. It would have been nominative determinism had I actually gone brown. But sadly, uh it it, it is red. If my name was Alfie Red or Red Brown, then then this would really be uh uh Well yeah, my 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 stepbrother's last name is Hole, Mark Hole, and if it, he has an indelible um, cock that administers itself in anal, but that that would be him marking. A, doesn't I don't like that bit. I I won't cut it, but I am ashamed of it. But my commitment to honesty is such that I won't rid I won't rid that. I won't I won't cut it. I will have it in there, and you can deal with the fact that this is an imperfect performance, an imperfect version of myself. Um, it's I I want uh, Zimmer uh, a heavy bottomed glass. That glass is too adorable to be drinking straight whiskey out of. Um, yes, good note, but also it 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 is all I've got. Unless you want to see me drink it, I mean, I actually would like to see me drink it out of a um a Lego glass, a frozen glass, all sorts of glasses. Um. Here is number two. What you thought you'd be as a kid versus what you are now. Uh, now, as a child, I thought that I would be an interior designer. That's what I wanted to do when I was a child. I wanted to be an interior designer, and I would uh, ask everybody for interior design books. I would ask if I could decorate my room, and uh, I, I was a big fan of the program uh, Changing Rooms, uh, in which Linda Barker and Lawrence Lebel and Bowen and 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 all all the other people who were on it, um, they they would they would they would go into uh, a, a somebody's house and then the that person would go into their next door neighbor's house and their next door neighbor would go into their house and they would decorate each a room in each other's house and go I hope you like it but we've got the you know I think you did it for some budget to decorate a room with and then Carol Smiley would go hello and present it very low pressure job for Carol Carol didn't really have to put her neck on the line in the same way that uh, Linda Barker Lawrence Owen Bowen or, or any any of the other ones any of the other the loads of the other designers that all worked on that program of course we still know who Lawrence Owen Bowen is because he uh, lies quite coquettishly on sofas sometimes if he's trying to suggest that we should buy this sofa and then he lies down on the sofa and goes fuck look how comfortable this sofa is Mm. Look how look how comfortable I look on this sofa. Isn't this 
it's remarkable how comfy I look right now. And then everybody goes, wow, what? Not Claire Sweeney, Carl. Claire fucking smiley. Claire Sweeney's the fucking last for the Brookside. Who was Jimmy Corkill's daughter? She played Lindsay Corkill. I think it was Lindsay Corkill. I used to love Brookside, owing to a um, uh, a, a well placed uh, sense of home in Liverpool. Carol Smiley is very smiley. For fuck's sake, nominative determinism is going to be the. Uh, thank you, Jenny Skins, for Carol Smiley is very smiley. Uh, that is going to be the, uh, the, the, the 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 contribution, the 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 topic that runs and runs, and permeates the other uh, topics with its uh, persistence, and it's going to rear its head because once you're looking for them, you're not going to stop seeing them or hear hearing them, seeing them with your ears, um, hearing. Uh, what you thought you'd be? Yes, I thought I'd be an interior designer. And I would, I would look, everybody was very excited. Everybody in my family who was rooting for me to be gay also was very much rooting for me to be an interior designer. As if there was some sort of relationship between the two things. Heavens knows where they got that idea. But uh, I I also thought, I think I thought I was going to be gay. Because everybody thought I was gay, so I trusted them. But I'm a very trusting person. So when everybody said, you're gay, I went, yes. Well, I suppose you'd have no reason to lie about that, would you? So I suppose I must be. And my godfather was very encouraging of my uh, interior design uh, ambitions. I think, because as a gay man, he very much, um, he very much enjoyed the idea of... Uh, you know, getting somebody to join the club, have something to talk about. You're, I'm, you're gay. That's I'm gay. Well, yes. Well, we yeah, we'd have so much to talk about. It's like when you meet another Liverpool fan. Um, no, my father never thought that. Uh, Big G uh, never never thought that. But um, but 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 he was in a he, he was in a minority and um, and and famously, uh, dads. I'm not saying that you wouldn't have liked it, but um, dads tend not to like their sons being gay in the same way that mums don't like their daughters. That's a, a generalisation, but it's also been true loads of times in the personal experience of my life. And I suppose it is only because that the father wants to be the closest male in his son's life and uh, mother wants to be the closest woman in the daughter's life so when also like you go oh no what about grandkids which isn't a problem anymore because it's the it's new times it's new times although we can't adopt anymore because it involves too much you can't socially I, you, you, you know you can't adopt in the age of lockdown can you so the only way to get a kid nowadays is to fucking fuck it up someone in the old-fashioned way you can't adopt, you can't give it to somebody because what if when giving them your child this beautiful gay couple that's been pining after a child for so long you in turn dump your viral load on them oh my god it's a beautiful 8 pound viral load no um so or you could just get i suppose if you could just you know like when you have to drink something you don't want to drink you could um just fuck a Anyway, I don't know how it, I don't I don't know, but I also feel like I'm getting into a the sort of territory that might, on the internet, um, land me in a, a bad place. But I I uh, I I thought I sort of thought I must be, but then I thought, why do I want to? I had a sibling S 
when I was a teenager. And that meant that I would, I, I, I spoke in exactly the same way. I just had a sibilant S. And I had to just learn to lose the sibilant S because everybody, it was making everybody think. And I didn't mind that. The only problem was that I loved uh, everybody's tits. So I, at the same time of going, God, I'm gay. It's so weird that I want to see everyone's tits all the time. I must uh, learn to communicate that better uh, because communicate it's all about communication. I was very ahead of my time in that way. It's all about communication. And if you just communicate to somebody that you... I, hello, lovely to meet you. I would adore to see both of your breasts. And, I, that, and I'm communicating that to you. And, if, and I, uh, I don't worry. Either way, it's fine. I just thought at that time I would have been speaking like that. I just thought I'd love to see them. I, you'd have, probably have a better chance. I got invited to a lot of slumber parties with girls uh, who would sort of think I was so funny and wouldn't mind uh, getting undressed in front of me before bedtime. So strong was their assumption that I was a gay man but didn't know that I'd go into the bathroom and rub one out over the sight of Millie in her bra. What a time to... It was like getting... It was it was like that sort of thing where you're in the girls' changing room, you're in the peephole through the thing, apart from I was just there. <laughs> what a what an amazing time that was! It wasn't worth it to not because then I, then I'd go. Oh my god, I'm so lucky. The other men don't want, know what they're missing. I'm getting to see all these girls change, and then like I would tell people, and then other people would have sex with these girls, and I'd go, oh, no, that's that <laughs> shit. That's better. That is better actually. Um, and latterly, I just, I lost the sibilant S and a stone, and I don't know which one was more helpful to me in the, uh, in my, in my courtships, but, uh, in a, in a combo, they certainly, they certainly meant that I, I saw, I saw better, I saw better numbers, uh, in, in, in 16, 17 than I did 15, although 15 was, uh, you know, may, maybe too young anyway, so who, 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 who knows, or, or could possibly dare to say, I remember once, uh, when I was a, a young boy, uh, I would, whenever my parents went out, I would, um, read the Argos catalogue, and I would decide when I was an adult, what sort of iron or appliance I would buy, were I an adult, I don't know where that came from. So deep-rooted was my horniness for consumer goods that I would trawl the Argos catalogue for the uh, iron with the best uh, features slash value ratio, doing the cost-benefit analysis on the uh, hoovers and and whatnot. Uh, I'm still exactly the same. I I'm, I pay monthly to be a member of Witch.com, and they send me the magazine, and I read it, and I read which toaster I should get, and it's uh, Breville Breville toasting your bread, bub bub, Breville Breville, uh, eat it. So that's uh, that's well, yes. Anyway, so that's I would read the Argos catalogue until my uh, 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 parents came. I didn't want to go to sleep without them, just in case. I don't know, felt abandoned. My kid's exactly the same. He's upstairs. He won't go to sleep ever. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm five foot 11. So I don't, I don't worry about that too much. David Sedaris would just, his uh, mother would just say to him, aren't you tired yet? In his voice, weirdly, whenever, you, whenever somebody in David Sedaris's family says something, they always say it in a sort of slightly higher pitched version of David Sedaris's voice. Um, and, and, and that's good. Uh, so 
yeah, uh, my parents would uh, would eventually come back, and I remember one night um, putting my hat. My mum came to sit in my sit in my bed, and I went, "Hello," um, and then I said to her, "Is it wrong to want a simple life?" And I don't. I do remember it a little bit. And I said to her, I just want to be a teacher or something. I don't want to, because I saw my mum like doing voiceovers and people were quite impressed with her a lot of the time. And, uh, and my father as well was on uh, the telly box uh, uh, being very funny. Um, and I, I, I sort of went, I'd, I'd like to not be watching The Last Dance and seeing Michael Jordan's children suffering, suffering and and not suffering, but they're not. How are you ever going to beat that? Oh, the best, not just the best basketball player of all time, but arguably the best sports person. The best anybody has ever been at a job. That's how good he was at that job. The other thing I don't understand about basketball, to take a little detour from this one, is how come every tennis player that you see is sort of trained to be so good at tennis that they become almost developmentally disabled? in a sort of social capacity. But the basketball players are just, yeah, love b-ball, have a few beers. And football players, a lot of them feel uh, quite normal. Some, like, uh, John Henderson has a, a lovely glass of orange juice after training. And, uh, yeah, well, it's a, large, a, great, a great game. And uh, they're really, really... <laughs> um, they seem, despite that, accent and his tongue being too big for his mouth they seem like normal and good people so what i want to know is why tennis players are so incredibly like why why to be good at tennis do you have to have had parents that will hate you into your talent they will like just be just a that's uh, Miguel Delaney in the Independent wrote an article saying, "Is it really going to be bad that uh, that coaches are now going to take on uh, this attitude that Michael Jordan had, where he bullied his teammates into being better? Like, you don't know fucking shit about bullying people into being better until you've seen Andre Agassi's dad basically bite his fucking kneecaps off because he fucked up a backhand. What the fuck? You uh, bullying people?" These little tiny, tiny children who are enslaved, rackets stitched into their palm. And they have to, like, be driven all over the country by these mad parents who hate themselves and their children. And yes, I suppose uh, Tom Gray has said money. Tennis is for people, or for money people, for people who want money or for people who have money. Because I think it's for people... Formula One is for people that have money. And I, I think I'm going to... Imagine if you're one of those parents who spends their entire kind of waking life fucking smacking your kid about and cajoling them out of any love for you but into a talent for your chosen destination for them. And they end up... You buy them a, a fucking car. I remember my dad's fucking face when I told him the price for a saxophone that I wanted to learn. You want to learn a fucking saxophone? Can't you learn a cheaper instrument? You want me to buy you a car, you little boy? Apart from it's not the little... It's the dad that's or the mum that is cajoling them into this life of torment. That's why Formula One drivers are all so weird. Um, so what I wanted to be when I was a boy... These are all just jumping off points, really. I think... Um, I think... I... 
I, 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 I was, I was nurtured into a, a, into the human I am. I'm not sure if my parents could have instilled a better work ethic in me, and that's what I think is really missing. That and the ability, ability to not lose focus when I read. I'd love to be able to not lose focus when I read, and I, I thought I'd have a boat when I was younger. That's the other thing. Me and my friend Thomas would stand in the playground and fantasize about what kind of boat we were going to get because we liked the idea of having a big boat. Something uh, about uh, the, the, the maritime experience that that coupled with the sleeping experience. And I, I suppose a part of our subconscious was tapped into the fact that there would also be a lot of good things like... Um, prostitutes not that we were au fait I, but although i remember my son has just started calling things sexy he's become he's woken up to the idea of uh, sex and i think i was a young boy when i woke up to that and it's a very frustrating time because i remember jenny uh robin wright pen robin wright robin wright pen at the time maybe who knows um was was naked and you get a bit of the uh side of Robin Wright Penn's tit in Forrest Gump when uh, and Forrest puts his hand on it and then um, summarily ejaculates into his uh, uh, army uh, army issue boxes and uh, and I remember as a five year old watching that and I I didn't know it at the time but what I wanted to do was ejaculate because I liked there's something a bit weird about the the process of evolution natural selection or us as beings that means that you have to wake up to the idea of horniness as just like it goes baby toddler horny that's your journey as a, as a human being i don't know about being a woman because i've never been one um but there's still time uh also the other thing i wanted as a child was i wanted to be mysterious as i, as I later became a child i wanted to be somebody who was mysterious and very guarded about my life and uh, I loved like Tom Waits and the idea of like Richard Yates and Kurt Vonnegut or, or or whatever. You didn't really know anything about them because they were authors and they just they gave you little bits of their life in fictions that the ones that they chose to provide. They wove the narrative of themselves out of their art and that's all you had to piece them together. So they became heroes to you. Whereas for fucking me, there's all of this. There's our Instagram lives. And I can't turn around and spit without Jesse taking a candid snap of me that I then have to put online to satiate all the uh, people who very diligently and brilliantly work with me on my career. Because content and things like exposing yourself and what you do is important. And should you sort of treat Instagram in the same way that the artist treats art and uh, provide on Instagram this... uh, journey of honesty and try and make it chime and resonate or is it all just fucking bollocks and should you leave it well alone and try and cultivate some air of mystery like one of your heroes what did i write about here about this oh yeah autobiographies of people like from our generation of artists well you don't fucking need to know do you because i've instagrammed it already i mean so depressing What's it all for? All these photographs that exist of me on the internet. What are they all for? Oh, look, it's Alfie getting on with his life. We're glad we saw that. And this is good. It's albeit a little bit graceless, and there's too much coming off the top of my brain. I do feel very good when I stop doing this, because there is... Have you ever heard of the 700 words a day thing, where you wake up in the morning and you jot down the first 700 words 
that come into your brain and they're uh irreve- like just doubtless all tossy cock but they're but they're from your brain all the same and it's just defragging uh the chaos of your brain so you can live a healthier day and i do feel like that i would um i would often walk around the edinburgh meadows with my friend jimmy mcgee who's a brilliant stand-up and we would talk to each other because we'd wake up at about four just before our shows would start and we'd have to make sure that the audience wasn't the, f- the first people that we spoke to that day otherwise our gig would be dog shit and I, I did a uh, interview the other day uh, with uh, Stuart Goldsmith, who's another brilliant stand-up, and I the first time I'd spoken that day, and I made no sense. It was awful. So you've got to, and now that's exposed. So, I mean, I didn't save the Instagram, but there we are. Anyway, I'm just sort of I'm I'm, I'm where what I am now. Would I have been happy with that? I remember once I was with my dad in a in a in a in a in a cafe, and I saw. Are we back? Great, we're back. Um, and I saw somebody walk past uh, with one trouser leg up and one trouser leg down. And I said to my dad, oh, look, a mason. And he went, that's good. That's good. That's funny. If you were a stand-up and they walked into the room. I was about eight years old. If you were a stand-up and they walked into the room, uh, you could say that and you'd get a laugh. I think he wildly overestimates the uh, cursory knowledge of the jongler's cardiff audience uh on on uh, masonic ritual but the, the 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 sentiment was there uh and i always loved stand-up comedy um but never thought i could do it i thought it was far too difficult and uh but i always loved it and i would come home after working at top shop uh as a as a 17 year old boy and i would watch on the paramount comedy channel uh live at the comedy store and see mitch ben be furious he was furious with all bmw drivers i think i might have mentioned that before um and i would laugh because people being irate or railing against a sense of injustice is funny hence why you liked it so much when my uh when my when my microphone the thingy wasn't in the thingy uh so uh, yeah, the world stands up. Ian Stadlang, uh is on, uh, and yeah, that would that would also be uh, one. I, what was my favourite? I remember seeing Jack Whitehall on The World Stands Up for the first time, and it was just after he'd because when Jack Whitehall first came on the scene as an eighteen-year-old, he was very laconic and would just do jokes like this underneath, like all the jokes would just come out of his nose onto the microphone. And he would look pissed off and devastated to be there. And then all of his agents went, listen, Jack, love that. But why not do something that will be entertaining over an hour? Uh, or he decided um, uh, the spider in the bath. Bit. I'm not afraid of spiders. I'm not. I know. I'm not. I'm not homophobic. Well, I suppose I'm homophobic in the same way I'm arachnophobic. I'm not afraid of spiders. I'm not afraid of gays. But I would scream if I saw one in my bath. That's Jack Whitehall's, I think, one of his first ever jokes. And uh, I used to watch that joke as a 19-year-old when he was 18. And I used to be absolutely furious at the traction he was getting in the industry. And uh, and such a, a, a large and uh, humongous uh, portion of jealousy existing so early in my life uh, really helped me to feel very little jealousy in, in, in later times. I, I feel... I feel a sense of uh, great injustice sometimes, but uh, never, never jealousy. So there you go. Uh, and then, uh, yes, sorry to end that uh, bit. So I never, I thought I could never do stand up, and then I went 
to the I went after I finished work at Topshop I went to go and see a laughing horse gig in Soho and then I thought oh no I could do that I could do that so I started so thank you everybody who was on at that night now uh, topic number three the IRA this is the bit that I was avoiding and I've gone down to six topics so that I could uh, engage fully in them but sadly I've already done 45 minutes and it's not going to let me do an old hour uh, so uh, the IRA uh, the angle that I chose to go on for the IRA is um, it must be very hard for them to recruit now if they're looking for new members I can't imagine too many uh, zoomers uh, lining up to get involved in the IRA because Zoomers they love themselves more than they love Ireland it's like loving Ireland was a pre-Instagram thing <laughs> or loving your country let's say just to we don't irritate any of these nationalist fucks um, but nationalist in a good way because it's not England um, so it is different I don't know how um, but I can't imagine like they want to join the army and fucking like they want to join the army and kill people because they love Ireland that much I want Ireland to be all as one and one for all and it's all to be a united Ireland this much you, you really I believe you I really but I can't imagine if it was up to me I'd I'd be very like customer service about it you know when you like see somebody get really annoyed at somebody who works on the checkout at Sainsbury's going, what do you fucking mean I've got to pay for the bag and then the person on the checkout goes if it was up to me I'd let you have several for free but what I'm essentially letting you know right now is that you can fuck off because I obviously didn't make the choice to price the bags did I you fucking turd so that's that's how I'd go about it like uh, and whenever I've gigged in Ireland um, I've I've always come on stage and gone hello everybody FYI None of the things that you're angry at me for were my choice. Just to let you know. I'm representative of things that you hold uh, very, very dear to your uh, source of, uh, your sole source of hate. But I, I personally would have just let you have it. I just think, have the North. Have I would never have had any of it. I didn't want any of Ireland, ever. I, it's beautiful, but I can visit it. Because the flights are very cheap. Now, there's no need for me to possess you wholly anymore uh i i just think you take that you deal with it because i think you've done uh spell the leader of the country i don't want you to spell it like that anymore but that's just me you can if you want to i can't imagine if england suddenly became not a thing anymore that i would really give that much of a shit about it if the prime minister said uh, it's all wales now our whole thing the whole thing is wales i would go okay uh can i still have can I have chocolate? Can I still have chocolate? Yeah, you can still have chocolate. Loads of chocolate. Great. Well, we're whales. That's fine. Um, I understand that, uh, you know, the sense of heritage and tradition isn't born. I'm not, I don't care about England, really. I don't feel English or feel anything, really. I don't, I don't, there's a lot of morality attached to what you do and don't feel about nativist instincts. I don't have any. I feel like I have uh, an allegiance to the England cricket team, but most of them are South African. That's the the English thing that I love is the England cricket team, and they're most of them not from England. The only ones from England 
are the brown blokes. So, and and they're the ones who the cricket fans in Billericay go, fucking English, you fucking kidding me? Fucking Ravinda Bopara? Sound like a fucking English name to me, does it? You fucking cunt. I don't know if... That's a thing. Anyway, um... Uh... <clears throat> but I can't... I, I Also, I don't get the... When people support the tennis player from where they're from, I never really understood it. I'm, I get... When it's an individual sport, like tennis or Formula One, like we spoke about earlier, I support whoever I like the most. And I don't... I don't identify with... I don't identify with any of them. I identify with Max Verstappen, the Formula One driver, because he's a fucking dick. And he... <laughs> is, a, is a weirdo and I, I like him tennis wise I like Nadal because I like the 2008 final it was a it was it, it was beauty against Will uh, the greatest sporting event of all time perhaps the 2008 Wimbledon final it's a it's a it's been a good segue away from the IRA hasn't it um Derry girls I think that's the best recruitment uh, utility that the IRA currently has going for it. Dairy Girls. Because I think that if anything's going to engender a sense of um, Irish, Northern Irish kind of union, uh, not unionist, Republican identity, it's going to be that show. Because you think, fuck yeah, they're Irish, I'm Irish, let's all be Irish together. But also, isn't constitutionally there a thing where, when, whereby when polling says that... Uh, when polling says that they would vote to be part of Ireland again, then they have to have a referendum on it. That's Either that's constitutionally correct or David Aronovich misled me on BBC Radio 4. Either way, it's nothing to do with me, so fuck off. Um, uh, fuck, 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 let's rush through these. Fandom, uh, that sort of uh, keys in uh, or, or, or is linked in some uh, capacity to the... Uh, uh, last ones I get fandom I'm a huge Liverpool fan and a fan of the England cricket team as I said and if I'm a fan of an individual sports person I'm a fan of the individual not the nation that they come from I don't get why you would be Um, footballers I think with any sort of fandom whether it be football which is my big one or when Jessie goes to her Comic Con events and signs uh, pictures for Harry Potter fans I think any of these I don't understand anybody who goes to Comic Con because it seems it just I've seen it, it doesn't look like a good day out. It's queuing in fancy dress. You queue to get in and when you get in there you get to be in another queue. And the end of the queue you get to give away a bit of money and 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 contribute to somebody's you get a picture of their face. Anyway, I mean it's not great because they were in Iron Fist or whatever they were in. I'm not I, I'm not particularly asked about doing it, but I suppose in fandom there's a sense of you outsourcing you the sensation of success to other people so you get to when they are then they're doing well you go i love him and i want him to do well and make a good appearance you you cheer on your chosen uh person that you've chosen to be a fan of whether it be tom baker or fucking jesse or or whoever you you choose to invest in that person and when they do well you're going yes fucking come on we love you, Lavender. Right, Joe. We love you, Lavender. Right, Joe. We love you, Lavender. Right, you. Ah, Lavender Brown. We love you. We love you, Lavender. Um, like that. Um, and in sport, there is there is something that sport can create for you that you can't get. So if I do well in my career and I win an Emmy or something, could happen. 
there's going to be so much leading into getting to the Emmys and you're not there is such a distilled sense of elation and triumph in a sporting victory that you can't be recreated elsewhere and football is a particularly special one because it's the rarity of the goals so you really feel them but not only that you go from nothing like especially with a long-range drive it, something could happen and and the resultant factor could be everything or nothing. It's either a goal or it's a miss. And that's why VAR isn't really worth it. For everything that it takes away, you want the immediacy. You want your fucking uh, elation ejaculation to just fucking go everywhere and to start hugging skinheads you were previously terrified of sitting there at White Hart Lane because John Flanagan's just scored a fucking fifth. And it doesn't matter that he beat somebody up. Um... I'm going to have to go soon. Uh, we're missing the lies we tell our children and coronavirus news coverage. I'll skip the lies we tell our children because I only sort of wanted to do it because it seemed like uh, uh, like a, a well-covered topic that I thought it would be fun to try and add something new to, but then I didn't actually have that much that was new to say about it. Um, coronavirus news coverage. I don't really mean that or didn't really want to talk about... <laughs> I basically wanted to address everybody reading the news and following the news as if it's a really huge... Well, it is really huge. Obviously, it's really huge. You fucking tits. But everybody following it as if their knowledge on the subject will fortify them in some way that will benefit them at some point. And I can't see that it... I've gone on a complete news blackout. And every time you speak to somebody... I mean... <laughs> I spoke to my neighbour downstairs and he mentioned the weather to me. And I thought, the weather? It, there's People are fucking dying of lung disease, you mad bloke. We've passed the weather. There's a new weather. The cor coronavirus, it's the new weather. We don't need to worry about weather for small talk anymore because we've got fucking coronavirus. All our fucking grandparents are dying. Can we not talk about that, please? Can, no, I mean, can can we not? Can, can we please do talk about that? I was using it in the can we not in the posh sense. That means can we? I've never really analysed that before, but it doesn't make too much in the way of sense. Um, I Everybody with all these declarative statements, whenever you talk to anybody about coronavirus, they go, well, life as we know it has changed. How do you know? I thought that you worked in uh, in the music business. And suddenly you're telling me that you are a fucking virologist. I Hang on a second. I thought you worked in uh, graphic design uh, for a succession of uh, laundry and Procter & Gamble products. And now you're telling me that you're a, 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 a mad and keen virologist with some... I know... And that's the other thing. Everybody knows I was actually... I know somebody who works in the hospital where Boris was, and apparently he's quite lucky to be alive. So, I I know somebody. Close links to the government. Apparently, it's all going to be up by July. Apparently, everything's going to be fucked till twenty twenty seven. Who cares? Why bother? Let's all just try and get on with it. Knowing things isn't really going to help until after the fact, when we know what's. We can clap for people, I suppose. I don't understand what good watching the news is doing. Can I go outside? Yes. For how long? Great. Fuck off. That's it. Um, so there we are. 
Um, thank you very much all for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. The uh, I I hope I hope it's been okay. Sorry for the fuck ups at the beginning, but uh, here we are. Sedentary comedy nine o'clock every Wednesday, and there is now a. Um, please message me if you have any if you remember any bits from this that I should put out as clips. Um, please email me at contact at Alfie Brown Comedian if you have any topics, uh, any things for the set list as you want as jumping off points, do that. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast online just in case you miss one. And even if you don't, just do and play it in the background and like it and press the five-star button. And don't do four stars, that's worse than one. Um, do whatever you want. Thank you for watching, and uh, I really appreciate it. And hopefully, uh, we'll all uh, be. Uh, I'm gonna eat dinner now. Uh, thanks so much for watching. I really appreciate it, and I hope it's okay. And lots of love. Goodbye.